Welcome to the Cheryl Broderson Podcast, encouraging and equipping you through the study of God's Word. This is a podcast taken from the Joyful Life Bible Study at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. In the Challenge series, Cheryl leads a conversation-style teaching with special guests Angie Emma and Jasmine Allnut. Day one, we're looking at John chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. And so since there's a lot of verses, I know we've been doing this the last few weeks, I'm going to just summarize what's going on here, and then we'll jump right in. So um, this is the first day of the week, which would have been like Sunday probably, and Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb while it's still dark, and she looks, the stone is gone, and wants to know, where is my Lord? Where have you taken him? And so she runs to get the disciples. Then Peter and John run back and see that he's not there. And so we're going to get into that. But then it says that um, the disciple Jesus loved saw and believed that it, when, he, when he saw that it was empty. And again, that scripture he didn't know that it would say, he must rise again from the dead. And then the disciples went away to their own homes. Kind of anticlimactic. I, I was thinking that too. I'm like, seriously, you went home went after home? that? Yeah. <laughs> so weird. But yeah. yeah, everyone deals with grief differently, right? Yeah, so summarize the activity. We're going to look at the first two, Mary Magdalene and Simon Peter and the other disciple. What's going on this early morning? Well, I mean, there's obviously, we're going to see more of this, but I just think obviously Mary's devotion is already evident here. The fact that she would come before it's even light out and wanting to, you know, just be there where Jesus was. And so um, just her devotion. And then the, the disciples are funny to me, like Peter and um, John. It's just the contrast of their personalities. I feel like that came out a lot this week, just their personalities and how John is contemplative and kind of, you know, thoughtful. He doesn't enter in right away. He's kind of cautious. And Peter just runs right in. Mm-hmm. He's just always impetuous. That obviously hasn't ended. Even though he had the whole, like, denial and everything else, he's still himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love that Mary was, um, in the other Gospels, we learned that she came with a group yeah, of women. Yeah, there were the women too. Yeah. And it's early, early in the morning. I think these women were so anxious. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. what time they got up. Because it's still dark. Did they even sleep? Yeah. Right. You know, and could they? Yeah. I mean, were they so filled with grief and just mm-hmm. their willingness to associate even with the corpse? I mean, they wanted Jesus dead or alive. They wanted Jesus just to be close. And I was thinking about their expectation. Um, in the other Gospels, it says, who will roll away the stone? Right. And this expectation of what they would find and mm-hmm. not sure. And what would happen, too, is the women, the reason, you know, we read that Joseph rolled the, the stone. You're like, how could he, he, one man could roll the stone, but these women couldn't. But it's because they would roll the stone and it would drop into like a little like pit. So, yeah, like a, so they would be rolling and then it would drop. So it would actually have to be lifted and then rolled. And the women knew that they, it, you There's can no way. roll something that's a couple tons. You can roll it, right. but you can't lift it right. and then roll. So the miracle of this stone being rolled away is huge mm-hmm. because it would, take, uh, it would take a company of men to actually kind of lift and roll mm-hmm. the stone out of this trough that would uh, drop in. And the reason they had it like that was uh, to prevent grave robbers. Mm-hmm. And remember, this is also sealed Right. And there's guards watching it. Right. So Mary and the other women are taking their lives in their hands. This is very risky, especially for women, and especially to go in the dark. And that's no doubt why the company. And mm-hmm. so I think as you harmonize the other Gospels, it seems like Mary came, saw the stone was rolled away, and turned around and went, I'm getting help. I'm going to go get help. And in the meantime, the other women, they they realize there's an angel. And I love this, that in Matthew's gospel, it tells us that the angel came, rolled away the stone, not to let Jesus out, but to show that he wasn't Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And then he sits on the stone. I just love it. That thing that had been an impediment to the angel, uh, to the women, an angel's just sitting on like, hey, he's not there, go check it out. You know, and he's like telling the women, he's not here. I know who you're seeking. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid. Now, here's all these guards that were guarding it. They're like either knocked out uh, from fear because of what they saw. And the earthquake happened because the angel touched ground. I mean, how mighty was this scene? And just kind of rolls away the stone, sits on it, shows it to women, not to these guards. They all flee because of fear. 
And so the women come, Mary runs away, she gets Peter and John. So I think Mary kind of went into a panic. She didn't care about angels. She didn't, just the fact that the stone was rolled away, she was just like, oh my goodness, he's not there, I'm getting help. Mm -hmm. So um, just moving on to the next page too. So Simon Peter sees that the um, linen cloths were empty like a cocoon, right? And the face, face cloths were folded. And you see like these two different reactions. You kind of alluded to it. Like you've got one, John shows up first and he just seems frozen at the edge, like not wanting to go in. And I read one commentator that said that it possibly was too like a respect because Peter was older. So he might've been 20 or 30 years younger. We don't know, but church history said that he was younger. And so like deferring to Peter to, to go in first could have been, but it's also like their personalities, yeah, right? Yeah, personalities. And the fact that there's a dead, poss- you know, they think there's a dead body in there. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, we have, maybe I won't go in and exactly. defile myself. Right. I mean, there could have been that too. But, but it's the- so interesting too that the napkin is folded. Because mm-hmm. grave robbers would never take the time. Right. And it's just the linen cloths were actually laying in a pile. Mm-hmm. So it's almost as if they're just in this pile. But then you've got this folded cloth, which some people believe is the Shroud the of Turan. Turan yeah. <laughs> and it, there's all sorts of interesting things about that. I'm, my, the jury's out where I, I'm concerned. But anyway, that it was folded. Mm-hmm. And to take the time to fold the cloth. And at the Passover meal, if you folded your cloth it meant you were coming back to the table. But if you didn't fold it, it meant that you were done. Mm -hmm. So when they would see the folded cloth, it would be significant that Jesus was alive. And grave robbers would never have folded the cloth, nor would they have unwrapped the body of Jesus well, to steal it. Way. No, yeah, they the wouldn't way have it was had time. Done was so orderly. Yeah, you mm-hmm. have to cut and shred it apart. I mean, right. there's so many layers there. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't have been so tidy. But you almost think of these, the garments of death that just falling off Jesus, Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. falling off of him. When he took his life back, they fell off and he was clothed in that, that righteous heavenly robe Mm -hmm. and boom, Mm -hmm. falling off. I love the power of the scene. Yeah. And, and, and also just the fact that it's two different words that are used for saw, like the way Simon Peter saw and the way John saw. That's kind of like what you were saying that Peter scrutinized and examined everything which is good because that validates the fact that like, look, he actually took the time to look at this. This wasn't just like, oh, maybe Jesus was there and he didn't see him. You know what I mean? It was like, no, he looked and carefully, but it says that John saw with understanding and he connected the dots and that's why he believed. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. It wasn't just like examining everything. John looked and he was like, oh, Jesus is alive. Right, So yeah. And about them going back to the place where they were, I read a commentary that said John wanted to go tell Mary. Because remember, oh, Mary mom, was yeah. staying right. with him. Jesus' mm-hmm. mom, yeah. And he was responsible for Mary, the mother of Jesus. And he wanted her to know um, maybe that she might have insights. or And so when they went back to their home. And so you think that's why they went home. Not right. like they're just giving and they up didn't like, go. what's They went on. to the places they were staying. They, didn't, they weren't from Jerusalem. They're from Galilee. Right. So after right. the Passover, they're going to go back to Galilee. They're mm-hmm. only there for this time of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then they're going to go back to the galley because they're probably renting these places. Mm -hmm. And it it said that Peter was probably staying with some of the other disciples. Mm -hmm. So when they're going back, they're they're no doubt going back to be with the other disciples. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be discussing these things. Hmm. And then my takeaway is the subtlety and glory of this saying. And there's no great announcement coming from the sky I mean, it's like only for those who are seeking Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the ones who are going to, you know, see the angels and mm-hmm. witness this. It, you have to seek him. Yeah. It's not to all of Jerusalem. That's it's beautiful. not to all the world. It's to those who seek. Mm. Well, and then for me, I just thought with the way that his linen cloths were still sitting there, it made me think of like if you um, break your arm, you can't get the cast off unless you saw it. But like you said, he just came out of it. Because when they would put the aloes on the strips, it would make it, it would harden. And so it would be more like, I mm. think, a cast mm-hmm. and it would be rigid. But it just made me think of that butterfly coming out of a cocoon. It's <laughs> like he has this glorified body. He has a new body which we'll see later on as we go on. There's some differences in his body than before. Mm -hmm. And just the glory of that glorified body. 
Ready to move on, or do you have another? Just one last, my, my last takeaway was about just how, um, as, you know, as yet they didn't understand the scriptures, yes. but now they're going to. And just, just the reminder that God, I mean, because Jesus had already told them, I'm going to rise and all of that, but they just, they couldn't connect the dots beforehand. And some, sometimes I feel like that's how it is with us. We don't realize until after the fact. Like when he said in John 13, you know, uh, what I'm doing now you do not understand, but you'll know after this. Mm-hmm. And it's like when God gives that insight, it's like, in oh. Luke, in Luke chapter 24, when he's in the room with them, and we'll get into that in um, the last part of Luke chapter 20, I mean, of John chapter 20. Mm-hmm. But Luke 24 tells us a little more detail about what's in the room. And remember, it says that he opened the scriptures to them. Yeah. And he opened their understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you think about that spiritual work that we do need our understanding opened Mm -hmm. and it was I think when their understanding was opened and the scriptures were open that all of a sudden they're like oh it's right there look at look at yeah yeah (laughs) now I believe yes yeah good okay so now looking at verses 11 through 18 we see Mary's back at the tomb and she's weeping and Mm. stooping down to look into the tomb and she sees the angels sitting at the head and the foot of where the body would have laid and then she hears the angels say to her woman why are you weeping And because they've taken away her Lord, and then she turns and sees who she thinks is the gardener. Mm -hmm. And again, that same line, woman, why are you weeping? And she asks him, where have you taken him? Where have you taken him? All taken back, you know, let me take him. And then Jesus says, Mary. Mm -hmm. And instantly she knows it's her Rabboni, her teacher. Mm. And um, then he just tells her he's getting ready to ascend, but... She needs to go now and tell the brethren. Mm -hmm. So let's look at these attitudes and actions of Mary, the angels, and Jesus. What are your thoughts? I mean... Well, kind of what, to what Cheryl was saying before that, uh, you know, nothing would satisfy Mary but Jesus. And you kind of already suggested that. that, but it's true. It's like, that's an angel, whatever. I mean, she didn't even bother to register who that was. It's just like, mm-hmm. I just want Jesus. And the fact that she would want to like carry a dead body away, it's like, okay, that's defiling or and there's impossible. Could, could you yeah. even lift this guy? But just to want him so much that she knew this was the only thing I need. And I even love one other quick thing, the new living, I like, you know, when we read that where it says, woman, why are you weeping? I think to us, it sounds a little bit like demeaning, like woman, get me my, you know, whatever. But it was uh, dear woman. I thought that was kind of a sweet translation in the yes. new living. It says dear woman. It's like, it's care. There's care mm-hmm. there. I was watching one of my true crime shows, unfortunately, <laughs> or maybe listening. And it was talking about how hard it is to move a dead body. Yeah. And because yeah. it's full uh, weight. <laughs> yes, as we say, dead weight. Yeah. And it's really difficult because of also the rigor mortis. Right. And especially if yeah. he was plastered up, well, you know. And then it, again, you know, Mary's thinking grave robbers. But mm-hmm. I love that. I had the same thing. Like she couldn't be appeased even with angels. Yeah. And I think about how many times people, Jesus is not enough. They want angels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was thinking about that too. Like people that just want supernatural phenomena and all these signs and things like that. It's like, yeah. isn't Jesus yeah. enough? <laughs> well, and isn't that cool too, that the first witness is a woman and the, yeah. the law or whatever with the Jews, a woman couldn't even testify in court. Yeah. Or and Romans, any across the thing that mm-hmm. women were. Yeah. yeah. And you just see how, um, how God is honoring women. And not yeah. only that, but it also would serve as a proof because if you yeah. were writing in that exactly. day something and you want people to believe in the resurrection, the last thing you would do was make women the original mm-hmm. witnesses. You just mm-hmm. wouldn't do it. Totally. And that gives um, veracity yeah. to this account. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I Okay, and then when it comes to Jesus, I love the fact that he's walking in the Garden of Eden. I mean, sorry, walking in this garden tomb. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, if you go back to Eden, God comes to, to walk in the garden and Adam and Eve are hiding. And this woman's not hiding. She's at the tomb looking for Jesus. And um, I just, I went back to at another garden. And see, at the other garden, death came. Mm-hmm. And in this garden that was a garden of death, life came. Mm-hmm. And there she Beautiful. is. And where man was lost to God in the other garden, um, God is found by the woman 
the woman who sinned, who is the first to be deceived, is the first to see Jesus Mm -hmm. and to be reconciled to life and to the risen Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it's just so amazing. And when Mm -hmm. he says, woman, you know, why are you crying? Who are you right. seeking? It reminds me of God calling to Adam and Eve in Genesis. Where are you? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Where are you? And, and so he's saying, what are you seeking? And, you know, before um, everything has changed, Mary is not hiding. Right. But actively seeking the Lord mm-hmm. and finds him. Mm-hmm. And I just think, oh, my goodness. The Bible yeah. is so incredibly um, filled with parallels. I mean, Mm -hmm. God just, scripture is fulfilled. It's fulfilled in ways that we don't even realize. It's fulfilled. It comes together. together. All these connections. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love too about this, this verses 17, 15 through 17, how personal this is. Yes. And that was that phrase, don't cling to me. That was kind of my biggest takeaway of the day that, you know, he calls her Mary. He knows her name. He sees her greatest need. But then also he's commissioning her. It's like everything that she needs happened at the cross. He completed everything she needs by dying for her sins. And now she's reconciled and now she can effectively go and do the work of the ministry Hmm. with the new identity she has of being Mary, the daughter, you know, like beloved woman, if you will, like that's, he did all the work and now she can go and do the work that he's called her to do. Sweet. I've got another parallel to Eden. Oh, you go first. Okay. In verse 15, (laughs) he Mm -hmm. says, why are you crying? What's the reason behind the tears? And to Adam and Eve, uh, when when they heard God walking in the garden, they knew who it was. So they knew it was God, but hid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mary does not know this is Jesus, doesn't recognize him at first. Even his voice when she's talking to him, where they recognize the voice of God and the sound of God, she doesn't. Mm -hmm. But when he says her name, she she recognizes. Um, So again, I just see all these parallels with Luke chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. And then... um, Again, in verse 16, Mary volunteering to um, take the corpse. And then mm-hmm. just, again, the way he said her name. Mm-hmm. I think he said her name. And Mary was a very, very common name. I mean, we read of three Marys at the cross. And we're like, right. yeah. which Mary? I mean, can you imagine? It's like Muhammad, all these people. Yes, yes. Yep, there was yep. that Saturday night um, uh, show where they, they have this thing where they're like, Mohammed, come forward with the Taliban troops. <laughs> and they all stand up, the same except name. for three. And it's like the name Mary was the most common name. And it's interesting because it meant bitterness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the most common name at that time. Mm. And so you've got Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary of Bethany, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. Mm-hmm. So you've got all Mary these Martha. different... Yeah. Um, Mary Bethany. Oh, that's yeah. Bethany. Yeah, yeah. And you've got all these different Marys mm-hmm. in, in the um, equation. But he said it in such a way, I think he distinguished mm-hmm. um, her by the way he said her name. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was the connection. She, it, she didn't just hear the Lord's voice, yeah. Yeah. but she heard the Lord say her mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. And it made all the difference. And I think sometimes exactly. we can hear the word and it's not hitting until we realize the Lord is directing it to us. Right. This well, word is so personal. And he's not saying who he is. He doesn't say, I'm Jesus. Mm. He says who she is, Mary. Yeah. Very personal. That was, yeah, that's, I think that was my biggest takeaway was the voice. Just John 10, my sheep hear my voice. It's like, you know, you know what I mean? If you're his sheep, you're going to recognize him speaking to her. And kind of like what you guys are just saying, when we hear the voice of Jesus speaking to us distinctly and specifically like that, it does, it changes everything because Mary couldn't recognize, she couldn't clearly see anything until she heard her name from Jesus specifically in that way that would, oh, you know, reveal everything to her. And so he's able, his voice gives that clarity and direction and revelation. And in our sorrow, Mm -hmm. we don't have a good perspective. In our sorrow, there is so much we can't see that God is doing Mm -hmm. because we can become so focused on everything that's wrong. And I think this is, when we get to Thomas, I think this is part of his problem, that the crucifixion is so real, so traumatic. Yeah. You know, that 
seems so real that nothing less than Jesus saying her name can bring her out of this mm-hmm. sorrow, this depression, mm-hmm. this this place. I mean, even as that stone mm-hmm. was rutted, she's right. become rutted in her sorrow so that she can't embrace the spiritual, yeah. the angels, the heavenly, the glory. She can't receive any of it because her sorrow is so big. Mm-hmm. Her depression is right. so, so strong. And I think about for those who are dealing with depression, mm-hmm. they need to hear the Lord speak their name. Yeah, exactly. You know, nothing less. And I think this is a direction that we can pray for those mm-hmm. who are so depressed, whose sorrows overtaken them. Mm-hmm. They need to hear the risen, victorious Jesus, the one yeah, who's victorious over death. Yeah. So if it's they're grieving, they're depressed because someone has died or the, a death they feel inside of them, they need to hear the voice of life, mm-hmm. speaking their very name, mm-hmm. speaking, and you exactly. know, the Lord's voice has a way of not speaking at us, mm-hmm. but speaking into us mm-hmm. and speaking over us. And I just think of the power of this voice. Mm-hmm. This is the voice that, you know, called light into the darkness mm-hmm. is saying her yeah. name. Mm-hmm. And then going on, um, Jesus is actually saying, don't cling to me. Don't hold so tightly yeah. to me. I've got stuff for you to do, yeah. and I've got stuff yeah, to like do. Saying, yeah. And I was thinking about how so much we want the physical. Mm-hmm. We want the, the, what we can hold on to. And I, I remember like some, sometimes you know, the kids would grip me, and I'd be like, I have to go. And you know, the baby's like, oh, especially Brayden. Like I would need to go into church and they put him in the nursery and they'd grab onto me or the two-year-old class like, oh. And I'm like, look, they've got a lesson for you. You're going to have more fun here than if you went with me to church, mm-hmm. you know, and I need to go get edified. But I think of that, that, that grip the she got on him, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and he's not saying touch me not as it comes across in the King James, right? but it's like, don't, get this death grip on me. Mm -hmm. And so she had an encounter with Jesus and then fruit comes from it. Mm -hmm. She immediately goes and she tells others. Mm -hmm. Any other takeaways before we move on? I have one. Do you? I I have two. No one says our name like Jesus. And when my dad used to say my name's Cheryl, Mm -hmm. it was unlike the way anyone else said it. Mm -hmm. So with Jesus, he says it to us. And then finally, John remembered what Jesus said um, to Mary and her testimony, and he recorded it. And I, I think it's amazing the things that John did record, because later he's going to say, there were so many things I could have mm-hmm. recorded. Mm-hmm. And you know, each of the disciples, uh, Matthew and Mark, well, Mark wasn't a disciple, but Matthew and, and John both chose to record different things right. that were so important to them. Mm-hmm. And of course, Luke took the testimony of all of so many of the disciples, Mm -hmm. what was most important to them. Mm -hmm. So good. Okay, so moving on to verses 19 through 23 from John chapter 20. So then that same day, later in the day, Jesus comes through locked doors to where Mm -hmm. his disciples were assembled and appears to them, stands in the midst of them and says, peace be with you. And the disciples were so glad And again, he says to them, peace to you. As the Lord has sent me, I also send you. And I love this part. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So let's look at um, when these are some things that happened that the um, disciples were encountering Jesus. When did this happen? What were they doing? Mm -hmm. What was their demeanor? And what did Jesus do? And how did they feel? Well, it's locked doors. And we're mm-hmm. told that they're yeah. afraid. So they think there's going to be recrimination, uh, especially now that the body's yeah. gone. Yeah. Yeah. And they know they're being blamed for it mm-hmm. because Matthew tells us that the guards were paid to say that the disciples right. came and stole the body. Mm-hmm. And they're totally afraid. Like, you know, yeah. somebody's taken Jesus. Yeah. And we don't know what to do. And again, they've got the doors locked. Uh, Luke chapter 24 tells us that um, Cleopas and the other disciple are there. And they're Mm -hmm. saying, we saw the risen Lord. He's alive. And they're also talking about what Mary said and these Mm -hmm. other women that met Jesus. And they're like, the report of women. And Cleopas and the other disciple are like, like, no, we saw Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's all true. It's 
like all true, but the doors are locked. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's Sunday. Interesting. Yeah. I'm just wondering like what kind of atmosphere with all their thoughts too. Like they were still depressed kind of and grieving, but yet there's this hope and this trickle of like, I've seen him and I've seen him. Yeah. That's all just starting to come around the room. Confusion, and then, probably, yeah. yeah mixed with their grief, yeah, right? And yeah. then Jesus appears in the room to them. And I, and I liked that because I was like, well, this is like with Mary, you know, when she heard her name, that changed everything for her. And I feel mm -hmm. like Jesus' presence here, and, you know, and he comes in and he says, peace to you twice. So obviously I they weren't that. at peace. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and True. so just the fact that his presence, you know, where there might be sorrow and obviously fear because the doors are locked and everything and confusion and like, oh, should, is he, you know, all of that. When Jesus comes, it just changes everything. And now there's mm -hmm. peace, there's joy, there's gladness. Mm -hmm. And so his presence, again, just like with his voice, transforms the situation. Yeah. I, you know, that, I think that, that phrase, they were glad, has got to be the understatement yeah, of I all time. Yeah, I wrote that too. I was seriously? like, seriously? I mean, I'm like, I'm seeing Peter do backflips in my mind, like, oh, yeah, oh, seriously. Oh. Like, it's Jesus. I mean, like, I, I, I noticed one little boy that would get really excited in Sunday school. He'd be like, <laughs> and I'm wondering, like, oh, uh, like I know when I get so excited, yeah. I go, no, 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 no. And I My just think of, used to do that where he would just this was his like yes. happy hand movement, just the excitement <laughs> yeah. of like, can this really be? And he said, touch me. Mm -hmm. touch me yeah. in Luke chapter 24 he says touch me and then he's like hey give me something to eat you want me to prove it and he's like Human. I'm not an apparition mm -hmm. not a ghost I'm not a ghost mm -hmm. I have flesh I have yeah. bones you can see the scars so I think this is like so amazing and also when he's saying peace he's saying shalom uh -huh. and I think that we just think it's it is peace but it's this penetrating peace it's this peace that will settle all your circumstances. Mm -hmm. It's a peace that brings reconciliation with God. It's mm -hmm. a peace that is, is health. And it's, it's a blessing of, of, of shalom, the blessing mm -hmm. of, of prosperity and uh, prosperity, like spiritual prosperity, like may yeah. your soul prosper. Mm -hmm. And I think about how when he says it, it's, you know, Jesus doesn't say things at people. He speaks it into us. Right. His word doesn't just like go on the surface. It goes into us. So yeah. when he's speaking shalom, it's like breathing on them. Mm -hmm. It's going into them. This, mm -hmm. All of a sudden, they're being settled right. and reconciled with God. Well, and you would think too, like all of them sort of forsook him. Like nobody was at the cross but John. And this is their first time all being back together to, mm. with him. And so you wonder if they're like feeling guilty in their hearts as like, here we are in front of him, but none of this was a rebuke. None of this was a condemnation. It was washing over them, like you said, with reconciliation mm -hmm. and that peace that is gonna equip them to go forth and commission them. So this is like this commissioning peace yeah. that sends them forth on the mission that God's called them to do. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, that this would be something that Paul would pull into his letters and even Peter, grace mm -hmm. and peace. Mm -hmm. Exactly. They would, they would bring the shalom into every uh, one of their epistles as mm -hmm. they went out grace because they were brought the shalom and this mm -hmm. is grace too. Um, I also love the fact though that um, that he, he breathed on them. And again, yes. I went back to Genesis, right? Me too. Because God mm -hmm. breathed into Adam and he became a living being. Mm -hmm. And that part of that spirit that was related to God, the breath of God. The spirit had died. The spiritual had died. And now the spiritual, the spirit, and we would have the spirit in the Old Testament coming on to people, but not entering into them. Mm -hmm. And now you've got the spirit of God entering into the believers again, mm -hmm. entering in, not just on them, but in them. Mm -hmm. Good. And they, and kind of like what you were saying, like they didn't deserve this. It's mm -hmm. like, that's, mercy and grace with that peace, you know, that, and even earlier when he told Mary, like, go tell my brethren, you know, and, yeah. and, and it's like, wait, he called them brethren and they had rejected and forsaken him. And so, you know, it really is an undeserved peace that he's bringing to them. And it just shows again, his grace and mercy, not based on us. Mm -hmm. so. And I love that thought of the breath too, like the breath at creation. It's that same word in mm -hmm. Ezekiel where he breathes into the dry, oh, bones, the dry bones and yeah. makes them alive and like breath at creation and then breath at recreation. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, too, just, like, what happens when we are equipped with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Second Peter 
1.3 says he's given us, it's by his divine power that God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. And mm-hmm. so we have that same power because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Any other takeaways before we move on? Uh, just, just the scent, uh, the, as, as the Father sent me, I send you. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about the way, that was like, uh, just thinking about the way Jesus was sent, how he came in humility yeah. and mm-hmm. lowliness as a servant. Like that's how he sends us out. And just that reminder of having that mind of Christ. And that's the way we're to go. It's that's very so simple, good. really, just mirroring him. Well, and like we're going to see that again on the last day too when he serves the disciples. He serves them breakfast. So he hasn't changed. Yeah, that's his it. nature. That's yeah. his character. I love that he showed him his hands and feet, the visible marks of the crucifixion, mm-hmm. because otherwise they'd be tempted to think you didn't really die. Mm-hmm. And he's showing them, no, I really, I am the one, as in Revelation, as he introduces himself mm-hmm. again to John, I am the one who was dead and now lives. Yeah. And he was dead. Yeah. As he was dead and now he's alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, receive, embrace the greatness of this. And then also, I remember hearing a Bible study that my brother Chuck did years ago about how scars tell a story. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, mm-hmm. scars, sometimes the grandkids will say, Grandma, you know, and I'll be like, oh, that happened when I was eight, or this yeah. happened when, and they all tell a story, and how his scars tell the story of love. Mm-hmm. The greatest love story of all is told by the scars. It's beautiful. And so, anyway, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. now we're going to look at the next day, too, and we're going to look at where he gets to show his scars again. In chapter 20, verses 24 through 31, we see Thomas come on the scene. He's one of the 12, but he wasn't with the disciples when Jesus first came. And he's the one who said, I'm not going to believe unless you show me. And so now Jesus comes back when the doors are shut again and he stands in their midst. And again, he says, peace to you. And directly to Thomas, he says, reach out your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas's response is, my Lord and my God. Hmm. And Jesus is bringing him back to that, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And then we see that Jesus did so many signs in the presence of his disciples that if there was books written, it would just take up all the books in the world. Hmm. But he wants us to see these things so that believing, we may have life in his name. Hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's look at Thomas. Yeah, I think his unbelief is so strong and everyone is trying to convince him mm-hmm. but he won't be convinced and I was thinking how strong is that unbelief mm-hmm. you've yeah. got 10 of your closest friends exactly. and women that you know and they're telling you we saw it and he's like no and I think because like Mary the trauma was so strong uh, his uh-huh. disappointment, his disillusionment his depression um, was so strong and it, it, we're really describing post-traumatic stress. Mm -hmm. And it seems like possibly he isolated himself because he wasn't with the disciples the first time. So it's like, what was he doing? Was he isolating himself instead of like coming and being with the brethren? Like it's important for us to be together with each other when we're grieving. And I saw some of that too, but the fact that he's even willing to come back with them. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking when you're going through doubts, the best thing to do is go to church, Mm. to keep going to church, keep being with people who love the Lord because everyone goes through doubts. The idea that like, you know, nobody has a doubt because our faith becomes genuine according to first Peter chapter one. Um, it becomes genuine. It becomes real, um, through the furnace of doubts, Mm -hmm. through the, um, furnace of, um, things coming into question that Mm -hmm. we've always been believed and faith that's not tried Mm -hmm. is not faith at all. I if like, your faith never has a struggle, it never becomes faith. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Bobby Conway has this book called Doubting Towards Faith. And yes. I like his perspective where it's like, yes, you're going to have doubts, but what you do with them is what matters. And so doubting towards belief, towards God, instead of going away. Mm-hmm. And in this, like you're seeing, he is doubting, but he's coming back to the disciples. And Yeah. And I mean, really, and that was something I, I saw. I was reading different commentaries. I was like, yeah, that's true. It wasn't because we always say doubting Thomas, but he actually was flat out not believing choosing and Jesus and then Mm -hmm. but like you said you know Jesus is saying don't be unbelieving but believing like move forward in that lack Mm -hmm. of belief like towards belief don't just keep going that direction but move towards believing and I was even thinking that might be I know that was a good word for me and that might be the word for a lot of people this morning like just don't be you know like New New Living says don't be faithless any longer believe 
And so, you know, <laughs> there might be an issue in our lives where it's just like the Lord is saying, believe, don't be faithless anymore. But his declaration to my Lord and my God, so that's used a thousand times in the, or no, 300 times in the Old Testament, or a thousand times, I can't remember. I've got it here somewhere when he says it, how many times it's used in the Old Testament. But it only, it's used over a thousand times in the Old Testament, and it's mm. only applied to Yahweh. It's a sign and of so one of the yeah. signs of deity of mm-hmm. Christ is allowing worship mm-hmm. um, because uh, the Jews believed that only God was allowed worship or to be called my Lord and my God together. Mm-hmm. And Jesus doesn't say, no, 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 Thomas. He's, he receives it. Right. Yes, mm-hmm. my Lord and my God. Mm-hmm. And um, I love that he meets Thomas where he is. And I think for our, you know, when I've had prodigals to, oh, maybe all four if they're honest, at one point had their own prodigal time. I had my own prodigal mm-hmm. time, even though I was raised by Chuck and Kay Smith. I had a prodigal time where the faith of my parents had to become my own right. faith. And God met me. Jesus met me. And it was Jesus who met me right where I was at. Mm-hmm. And he met me with exactly what I needed. Mm-hmm. And I think, boy, when we pray for others, the Lord will meet them. Mm-hmm. He is faithful to meet yeah. them right where they're at and with what they need, the proof mm-hmm. that they need, mm-hmm. the very word yeah. that they need, maybe the very thing that they need to see or the thing that they need to feel mm-hmm. or the thing that they need to hear. And Jesus doesn't say, how dare you do right. that? He meets him mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. And it's personal, and yet it's public in front of everyone, mm-hmm. and I love that. Yeah, and there's no condemnation. You That's see, right. there's no condemnation in the way he does this, and that all these things are written so that we would believe. Yeah. What were you going to say? Um, no, and then to just, I, I just thought it was so cool because Thomas is the one who's most vocally unbelieving, but he makes the most powerful statement of deity there. Like, That's I right. mean, really yeah. out of everybody, you know, he's the one who first says my Lord and my God. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, whoa. I mean, that moment of just, and, and amazing too, just think of how Thomas must have felt in that moment, realizing, oh my gosh, the last three years I've been with God. I mean, yeah. that's pretty mind blowing really. And so I just thought that was so cool. It's like sometimes, you know, the people that are most fierce and uh, seem the most anti-God and pushing away, mm-hmm. they can get the most radically saved and transformed. And it's just and like, what a powerful testimony. Yeah, and so that so. it's okay too. If we have doubts, it's what we do with them. Whoops. So when we doubt yeah. towards faith, it makes our faith stronger. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about Luke ways. 1 too, where Luke said, you know, I'm going to tell you all the things that, the, that those who actually knew Jesus, the witnesses told mm-hmm. me. And I think... Thomas um, is learning, Thomas, you need to share this gospel with people who haven't seen, Mm -hmm. and they're going to believe. And John is saying, too, this is essential Jesus. You know, I would think of Dragnet, which a lot of people in here probably never even heard of, which used to be a show um, about two cops, and it would be like nothing but the facts, you know? And I was thinking, this is essential Jesus. There's so much more, but this is what you need, and this gospel can save you. If mm-hmm. you believe this, you know enough to be mm-hmm. saved. Yeah. Okay, any quick takeaways before we move on? Okay, I just had one, actually. Just I um, just kept thinking about faith, how, um, you know, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so there's blessing that comes from believing, and when we have faith in God, it pleases Him. Yeah, and, and, and there is that special blessing on those who haven't you know, who don't see and still believe. Exactly. I thought of 1 Peter 1.8, where Peter even said that, like, having not seen you love. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, that's such a cool... And rejoice with joy yeah. and expressible. Yeah, it's and just that's so sweet. what faith Lord. is. Mm-hmm. It's the evidence yeah. of things not seen and the, um, the things hoped for. That's what faith is. I know if you have time later, I just spent some time reading over Hebrews chapter 11, that mm. chapter of faith, and it just reminded me of all these that have gone before us and walked by faith without even seeing the promises yeah. fulfilled that they were praying for. Yeah. And that just gives us hope when we look at God is faithful, mm. even when we can't see the answers. Amen. Okay, day five, verses, this is John chapter 21 now, moving into that, verses one through 14. And I titled this day, Gone Fishing to Come and Eat. So (laughs) Jesus shows up again, and the disciples are at the Galilee. And Peter's like, I'm going fishing. And then Jesus shows up on the shore and says to them, children, do you have any food? 
and they hadn't caught anything all night. So then Jesus tells them, why don't you throw your net on the other side? So they do, and reluctantly, I'm sure, and they catch 153 large fish, but their net is not broken. And then Jesus calls out to them, come and come and eat breakfast with me. And this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples. I think this is just so incredible. Okay, first of all, they go back to the Galilee because this is where they live. And Jesus told them to. Exactly. Well, Passover is over. Mm -hmm. So they go back to the Galilee. And I think those times in our lives where we're just waiting and they're thinking, okay, was that a one-off? Is it over? Like, yeah. what happens now? I know. What like, so happens were they unemployed next? now? Because yes. they had been following Jesus for the last three <laughs> years. True. So now they're like, what we are we doing? And yeah. how do we support ourselves now? Yeah. We've been disciples and we've had people giving, you know, to this this ministry. Exactly. Now what are we we're do? taking care of them. So I'm like, so Peter... It, I have heard Peter condemned for going back to fishing, and mm-hmm. I don't think there, there's no condemnation right. from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he blesses this. Mm-hmm. So Peter's just like, I'm going to go fishing. Right. You know, I go? guess this yeah. is what you do. And, you know, Jesus even in the parables was talking about occupying, staying busy till he came. So Peter's okay. like, I'm going to just stay busy. But yeah. it was fruitless. And again, right. I'm thinking of how they're fishing all night, mm-hmm. and it's absolutely fruitless. Yep. Until they see, and again, like Mary didn't recognize Jesus. Mm-hmm. They don't recognize Jesus, but it's probably dark still with okay. the sun just turning. I, I love the morning when the sky turns purple. Mm-hmm. And you get this purple sky right before, you know, it Dawn. gets light. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very, very dark. And then all of a sudden, it's just like goes to this deep purple. That's why I love coming to sunrise service. It's mm-hmm. just so beautiful to be oh. worshiping and then see those colors change. Nice plug for the mm-hmm. Easter yeah, yes. sunrise. Wake up early. <laughs> Smooth. No, I'm just so, I, you know, I'm skipping that he's with Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, yeah, yeah, the two of the so disciples. There's seven, seven, yeah. seven of the twelve. And Nathaniel is probably Bartholomew. That he's called Bartholomew in the okay. other Gospels, and it was very common for them to have more than one name. I'm just throwing that in there. Mm-hmm. And then how frustrating and fruitless um, that they fished all night, exhausting. Um, and I, the business of throwing these heavy nets into the water mm-hmm. and pulling them up. So they're throwing these heavy no, uh, nets overboard and pulling them up all night long. And each time with the hope of maybe one or two, anything, Mm-hmm. And nothing, mm-hmm. like nothing at all, not even Man. one and, like, fish. like, how much difference would it be? Like, if the net is sort of behind on one side, how much different would it be to just throw it on the other side? Like, yeah. it might be like a four-foot difference, an eight-foot difference. Yeah. Not very much, but that's totally. what Jesus asked them to do. Totally. So maybe that didn't even make sense to them. Right. But again, this is just like with all these other situations, with Mary, with the disciples, when Jesus shows up, it changes everything. And it's like at Jesus' command, even if they didn't recognize it was him yet and they did it in faith, at Jesus' command, it worked and there was Mm -hmm. fruit. I think about his voice though coming across the lapping water. Mm -hmm. And morning, you know, um, you wouldn't recognize a voice because it would be like, you know. Echoey. Children. Or um, CBS, CBS, CSB has it. um, Friends. Guys. Friends. But I wonder have you caught like, any fish? And you'd have the lapping so of the muffled. boat. So it'd be muffled. It would be hard or to echoing. hear, but, but you would hear it. That it came across and they heard this. Mm-hmm. And then this, and they had to answer back, no. And then cast your nets on the right yeah. side. And um, at least the CSB says the right side. Mm-hmm. Not on the other side, but the, the right side. side. But the right, right side. side. <laughs> And so as they take these heavy nets and they heave them into the water, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like the the boat starts to list over to the side. Immediately. And as they begin to pull, and we know it's 153, but it's large fish. So I did this thing. And I went online to see what the largest fish ever caught in the Galilee was. So within the last... 20 years, because that's when they started measuring it. Okay. It was um, 11.28 kilograms, or almost 25 pounds. So yes. I thought, okay, that's a large fish by Galilee standards. They could right. have even been bigger in those days because it wasn't overfished. Wow. So if you've got 25, and I averaged 20 pounds 
I just did an average, 20 pounds. That would make the net 3,000 pounds. Wow. Not even considering the heaviness of the net. The net wet itself, I read, was about 300 pounds. Right, so no wonder they're dragging it onto the shore. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's mm. quite a load. Um, because it's dragging large, it large fish. That's not small, large. And, uh, but again, I love um, Peter's response. John looks at yeah. him, and again, John has that recognition. Yeah, yeah, the spiritual discernment. This or is the Lord. Again. I mean, um, because it's like Luke chapter 5. He was the first to the tomb, first to believe, yeah. first to perceive. But Ooh. this reminds you again of Luke chapter 5. When Jesus first calls the disciples, mm -hmm. now you've been with mm -hmm. them, but now here's the call in Luke chapter 5. And Peter is fishing, and he hasn't caught anything. And Jesus is um, on, the, uh, on Peter's boat. And yeah. he says, Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep and put down your, your net for fish. And Peter's like, Lord, that's so the wrong way to do it. You know, we fish at night because mm -hmm. that's when the best fishing is. Um, we don't fish at the deep part of the mm -hmm. sea. We fish at the edge mm -hmm. because that's where the fish usually are. Yeah. And anyway, at that point, when he obeyed the word of the Lord, the net was full, but the net was breaking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And here the net is full, but it's not breaking. And I was thinking again, I was sharing this with Angie, that before they weren't ready for the large um, bit of fish. And the Lord had said, from now on, you will catch men. But they weren't ready to evangelize. They weren't ready for the power of the Holy Spirit before because they would have taken it to themselves. You know, Peter was too sure of himself. They had to be broken mm -hmm. of themselves and be ready to be emptied that they might be filled with the Holy Spirit, that they might become witnesses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were like the net. Mm -hmm. yeah. Before, with the fullness of Jesus, they would have broken. But now they're ready for the fullness of Jesus that they can be witnesses. And the fullness will come in Acts chapter 1. So, I mean, so this is just so full of yeah. it makes so me think much of like symbolism. Our capacity to understand Jesus grows and our as our understanding of him grows. Yeah, and, and Peter, as we're going to see, he is changed and, you know, humbled now and all of that. But I love that he still has his personality. Like, yeah. he's still, like... I love that. Look, they're only like, what, 100 yards from the shore? And he, I was just thinking just how funny that must have been. Bit. He just jumps in and like, yeah. you know, swims to the shore. It's like, did you really need to do that? We're just right behind you. Pete. It's not that big a deal. That, but the passion there. Yeah, well, I maybe think he because could walk on water He might again. have, yeah, that's possible. But I think because the fish was so heavy, he's thinking this is going to take too much time. I've got to get to Jesus I want to get to Jesus yeah, right now. it's like Mary clinging to yeah. him. 100 yeah. yards is actually quite a ways. Like I a mean, that's field. a football field, right? Football yeah. Field. Right, right, right. And so I, I love that he's like wants to get to Jesus as it. soon as possible, but instead of taking off his garment, he puts it on like, like he's ready to follow. Remember before mm -hmm. he was called at the, at the drought of fish, that was when the call came to follow. Mm. So I think he's thinking the call's about to come now. Right. This is it. And so he grabs everything he owns. He's willing again to leave the fish, to leave the nets, to mm. leave the boats, to leave everything to follow Jesus. Mm. So he grabs his vest, the essentials, and he swims to shore like, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. And mm, that's uh, great. again, I love the charcoal fire because mm -hmm. the charcoal fire reminds us of, you know, Jesus sets the atmosphere early in the morning mm -hmm. because it was probably early in the morning while it was still dark yeah. that Peter was by the enemy charcoal mm -hmm. fire when he denied Jesus. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is recreating the scene and giving Peter a chance for full reconciliation. Yeah. And it's interesting how many times when we've sinned, God takes us right back to that same place mm -hmm. and lets us do a do-over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like a do-over. So it's public. It's in front of all the disciples. Mm -hmm. But it's very personal. Mm -hmm. And it's three times, like three denials. Mm -hmm. yeah. Are we moving on and to the, day six then? Or are we? Uh, well, hold, oh, well, yeah, sorry. I've got sorry, on well, day five. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but I also okay. love that Jesus made, had already prepared breakfast. He didn't say, oh, I really need your fish. It's like, yes. no, I've already done it. I've already. And, and it just shows like everything. What is it? From him to him, through him are all things. It's really, you know, all sourced in him. He doesn't need us. Like when David wanted to build you know, him got a house and he said, no, I'm going to build you a house. Right. It's like mm -hmm. he always provides, but he lets them contribute. He said, bring some of them over here. They right. didn't, you know, he didn't need that. it, but I know I love that. It's like just how he brings us into his work. I want, yeah. you know, you can contribute, 
but this is my work and I'm gonna do it through you. I don't need you, but I wanna use you. And just the fact that God still delights in our participation. Yeah. Okay, I loved on the fire too, it was fish and bread, which would remind them. I mean, it's kind of a recapitulation of Jesus' life with them. It's gonna remind them of, of the Luke chapter five, mm-hmm. the, I, the miracle of the fish. It's gonna mm-hmm. remind them of the fish and bread that were abundantly provided mm-hmm. by Jesus to feed the multitude. So it not only looks back, right. but it also looks uh, to the future in yeah. that Jesus will provide abundantly. But I also like the way Jesus moves so unexpectedly. He, he does all, it's not the expected mm-hmm. way. True. It's not the expected time. Mm-hmm. It's not the expected word. It's not the expected way. So it's going to prepare them mm-hmm. for Jesus to, to be there with them and do the unexpected. Mm. I liked, too, that he's always drawing us in closer. The whole thing, come and eat breakfast, it reminded me like you were talking about in the beginning of Luke when he first met them or when he was first calling them. He's like, come and see, and calls them from fishing to come and see. And then in Matthew 11, like, come and learn of me. Take my yoke upon me, upon you. Come and rest when he calls the disciples away to rest and pray. Come and dine or come and eat, which is this one. Mm. And then and the ultimate is come and live forever with me. Like this is the invitation. We have eternal life offered to us through this reconciliation of his resurrection. That's sweet. That's so good. good. You guys uh, ready to move on or do you have one more thing? Just, just for clarification, because this helped me in case anybody's wondering where it says that they didn't dare to ask him. It's like, wait, was, were they afraid of Jesus? But if you look in the Greek there, the word ask means inquire or examine with questions, meaning they weren't gonna interrogate Jesus anymore. Is this really you? Because they knew it was him. Mm -hmm. So that helped me to understand that, that it wasn't like they were afraid of Jesus. They just realized like, no, we don't need to keep pushing him. This is him. Well, I think John was saying it was obvious. Yeah, it was obvious. It was obvious. so we obvious. Don't need to ask it was obvious. Yeah. It was obvious from yeah. his voice. It was obvious from it. the way he looked. It was obvious right. from the charcoal yeah. fire. It was. Exactly. It was obviously Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there would be those. It's interesting because, in the book of Matthew, Matthew wants to dispel the myth that um, the body of Jesus was stolen by right. the disciples. Mm-hmm. John wants to dispel the myth that it could have been someone else other than Jesus. Yeah, they didn't recognize so he's him. going to great yeah. lengths to show. No, mm-hmm. we all knew. I mean, we know Jesus. Yeah. This was Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so. And and Go ahead. I was just going to say, on the road to Emmaus, when he um, reveals himself Mm. to those guys, like their hearts burned within them. They Mm -hmm. knew it was him when Mm -hmm. he broke the bread. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, ready to move on? Yes, I know. So now chapter 21, verses 15 through 25. So when they had eaten um, breakfast together, Jesus reaches out to Simon Peter, and three times he asks him these questions, do you love me? Mm -hmm. And then tells him to feed my lambs, and we'll get into the different ways three Mm -hmm. times, and three times Peter responds to him. And then, you know, Peter kind of deflects, and starts asking him another question. Jesus says, follow me. Yep. And, you know, he's saying, what about this man? And Jesus like, all, what is that to you? You follow me. Mm-hmm. And then the very last verse, 25. And these are also the many things that Jesus did. And if it were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain <laughs> the books that would be written. Yeah, so John that. is just scratching yeah. the surface of all that Jesus did and all that Jesus is. Mm-hmm. So let's start getting into verses 15 through 22. And what are some of your thoughts about this conversation between Peter and Jesus? Well, yeah. I want to say this first of all. There's really not a difference between phileo and agape. Okay. And people have tried to make a big difference there. And it's not because it says, and the father loves the son. The okay. word is phileo. Okay. So Jesus doesn't just want agape. He wants a phileo love. It's both. And it's a fullness of love. Mm-hmm. So phileo, the brotherly love and the agape. So uh, it's it's the both, and they are used interchangeably in the New Testament. Okay. So we tend to um, put one above the other, mm-hmm. and or think that maybe Peter was being more reserved in his response. Yeah. Like maybe because before he was like, "I would yeah. die for you," and if everyone yeah. else is going to forsake you, I won't. Yeah. But then maybe this time it makes you think: Is he being more cautious? Like, yeah. I don't want to do this. You know my heart. Except for it was the word that God had used. This is my beloved, okay. my phileo. So probably, maybe not. Okay. Could have been. But um, 
the commentators that I read all said, do not make a big deal about the difference okay. of these because he's not saying, yeah. you know, he is saying, uh, even so, you know, Lord, you know mm-hmm. that I'm affectionate toward so you. But the they were big, saying that's a difference that people make that they shouldn't. Okay, so the big picture here is that Peter publicly denied the Lord three times. And so publicly, Jesus is giving him an opportunity to um, say that he is Lord and that he loves him. I, mean, right. I think there must be a sense of humility here, though, because he says, you know all things. It's like, you know, you know, you know my heart. You know me better than I know myself. I and I think Peter definitely. thought he knew himself so well, mm-hmm. and he realizes he doesn't. True. Like, well, also, I don't even he's know myself. grieved, True. because I don't think he gets what Jesus is doing till later. Okay. And you know, sometimes when the Lord is working with us, we don't understand, like, what, what are you doing? What are, what you, are you doing? Like, why are you asking me in front of all these people? Are yeah. you bringing out what I did wrong? Instead of recognizing, no, I'm restoring you. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when the Lord is kind of taking us back through things, we're like, what are you doing? Are you upset with me? And the Lord's like, no, I'm restoring. Exactly. I'm actually bringing healing to you. And I'm publicly restoring you. This was really important, this public mm-hmm. restoration, because Peter in the book of Acts would be the leader of yeah. the disciples mm-hmm. and be the spokesperson for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what was going on in the evangelist. Yeah. So this public restoration in front of all the disciples, it, because Jesus is saying, I don't have anything wrong right. with Peter. Yeah. You better Don't not either. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that there's, you know, a lot. But I think Peter's like, I don't get this, but Lord, you know everything. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't quite understand what's going on, but but you do, mm-hmm. you know? And, husband. and how um, Jesus uh, took Peter, I think we've already kind of alluded to this with the catch of fish and everything, it, going back to the original call and just how sometimes mm-hmm. we do need to go back to the last thing God told us. If we're like, I don't know what to do. It's like, okay, what did God tell you? first. And here he goes right back to follow me, just like he did originally when he called them in Luke 5. It's just go back to following me. Even before that, he says, do you love me more than these? And most people believe that's the comparative. And the comparative word is, and and it could have been, you know, do you love me more than fishing? That's what Mm -hmm. some people say. Do you love me more than uh, the way you claimed before, more yeah, than the other yeah, disciples. Yeah, do you love me more than the other disciples, right. which is probably the one. Are you still thinking you love me more than the other disciples? Yeah, that you're better. And so he's putting them on level ground, <laughs> but he's also restoring them to the other disciples. I mean, it's a work of full restoration. Seven. But, you know, um, he also says the proof of that. Mm-hmm. You know, when Peter says, you know, Lord, you, I love you, you know. And he says, then... And he starts out, feed my lambs. Uh And then it's tend my sheep and feed Mm -hmm. my sheep. So two things here. Lambs are babies Mm -hmm. and sheep are mature. So he's saying, all that belongs to me. And then he says, mine, my sheep, my lambs. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not going to be your lambs or your sheep. And Peter is going to later, do you have the scripture written down? Where he says, first Peter 5, 2. Yeah, shepherd. Shepherd the flock mm-hmm. of God. Yeah. Which is among you. Not for filthy lucre or for you know gain mm, right. or for fame or for a sense of power. Mm-hmm. But do it because they belong to Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. And in leadership, we have to realize you, the people, belong to Jesus. Mm-hmm. They're not mine. Mm-hmm. They're, they belong to Jesus. And so there's this need to respect and love as Jesus loves. And um, I always say the, the problem with King Saul is that he sought to be king. Mm-hmm. And he began to think of the people as his people. And, they, and David saw himself as a shepherd of God's people. Mm-hmm. And he's always saying, Lord, the people, mm-hmm. your people, your people. Yeah. And so Jesus is saying, you know, Peter, these are my people. Yeah. And the way to show your love to Jesus is how you treat Mm-hmm. those who belong to Jesus. Not as a hireling, but mm-hmm. as a shepherd with but, his... But I know Christians that are nicer to non-Christians than they are to other Christians. Mm-hmm. And even, especially on Facebook. Mm-hmm. They're so mean mm-hmm. to the church. I said to one woman one time, I'm like, man, you know, you're, you're treating Christianity like Russia. Like everyone wants to get out and nobody wants to come in. Mm-hmm. And we should be where everybody wants to come in. Um, and not that everybody wants to leave. I mean, mm-hmm. seriously, the United States, we have border problems because everyone wants to come in, yeah. not because everyone wants to leave. I mean, we don't have people like, we're going to Mexico. We have Mexico going, we're going to the United States. That's because we're a great place to live, mm-hmm. you know? And Christianity is a great thing to be mm-hmm. part of. 
And Jesus said, people want to press in. Mm -hmm. And people are always pressing in. Uh, it should be that way. We should always be receiving people yeah. in. Because this is the greatest thing happening on earth mm -hmm. is the kingdom of God. Well, something I keep thinking of that you've said in the past, you know, like when he told them, we're going to go be fishers of men. And you've said, sometimes you'll be like out there, I'm just going to go fishing. I'm going to be fishing, doing all this work for Jesus. And he brings it back to the way we feed his lambs isn't to just go do these things. It's to follow him. Mm -hmm. And he brings it back to that's the key is follow him. And so that's our place too, of just keeping our eyes on Jesus and following him. And these other things, come out of that as a fruit of that relationship with him. But I think the words tending and loving are so important mm -hmm. when it comes to other Christians. Yeah. Because, you know, love your, um, you know, Jesus said the most important commands are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. And we tend to, I mean, I've met people who brag about their love for God, but do not love your brethren. Mm. I mean, they they don't so love another hands. denomination. They don't, someone in another denomination, they feel like they have the right, you know, especially in our cancel culture, you're a Baptist, mm. Mm. or you're a Presbyterian, mm. uh, you know, we have this cancel culture, which is so wrong. Mm -hmm. It's tent, nurture, care about, mm -hmm. um, it, you know, right. And so this is the way that our love for Jesus is shown, which yeah. Jesus said, all men will know you're my disciples if you have love, love one another. Yeah. All right, so we're out of time. Do you guys have a quick wrap-up thought? Just to follow me again and not be distracted, you know, by what's going on with those other people or, Lord, how are you working in their lives? That's, mm -hmm. That always speaks to me, the what is that to you? You mm -hmm. follow me because it's so easy to do that, but just to get back. It's, that's not our business. Follow me. And yeah. so that's, yeah. So you know, good. I think that'd be like, and of course, just to wrap that part up. Love for Jesus is to be evidenced by the way we treat and minister to one another. Feed, tend, care about mm -hmm. my lambs. Mm -hmm. And the sheep belong to Jesus. And never forget. I just have one quick yeah. story. Years ago when I was at Westmont College, there had been this boy who um, had had a crush on me and he had asked me out and we went on like, it was a pseudo date. He came over to my house and was going to teach us Joshua. Together, we're going to study the book of Joshua. And when he opened the book of Joshua, um, I made a comment about Joshua because, you know, I grew up with this stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's like, uh, 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 let the women keep silence. I was so angry. I said, you can leave my house right now. You can go. Just go, 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 go. And uh, we were at school together. And he had told me, like, you're backslidden. Your sister married me. It was not Brian. Um, um, he just... And he would send me these tracks on being backslidden because I refused wow. him and didn't want to marry him. And it was just, I, I canceled him. Mm -hmm. I absolutely canceled him. And I was just so angry at him. And I remember one time he came to me, he said, can we talk? And I'm like, I don't know. And he said, look, I know you're not supposed to be my wife. And I was like, okay, we can talk. And he said, but I'm still a child of God. And I might have offended you, but I still belong to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And you should respect me as a child of God, and it hit my heart wow. so hard, and I was like, you're right. As long as you know, I'm never going to be your wife, you know, that this relationship will never go further. You are my brother in Christ, mm -hmm. and you deserve my respect, and I will treat you like a brother and a child of the King of Kings, mm -hmm. and we had a friendship after that, and of course, I married Brian Broderson, <laughs> who was the great love of my life, and still is, but I just think we need to treat each other like the lambs of God. Mm -hmm. So good. Okay, well, we could sit here and talk all day, as you could imagine, but we're gonna wrap it up for your sake. And just in case you missed the beginning, I wanna announce one more time, we are gonna take a um, break for the month of April with Easter coming next weekend. Um, next Friday, if you wanna be here, we will be in the sanctuary at noon for our Good Friday service with our whole church. So we'd love for you to join us for that. And then Easter Sunday, April 4th, we have a 6 a.m. sunrise service, which I always love. And then we'll have two services after that in here in the sanctuary at 8, 30, and 11. So hope you can join us for that. And then we'll be back together for the month of May. There are four Fridays in May, so we will be together all four Fridays, same time, 10 a.m., and we are gonna be studying the book of Habakkuk. So we hope that you'll join us for that. We're excited for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jasmine, do you mind closing us in prayer? All right, no problem. 
Lord, we thank you so much, God, for this four weeks of just diving in um, and, and really considering, um, considering Jesus, examining and really uh, looking into all that uh, the cross, what the cross meant, Lord, the resurrection. And we, you know, like we we're just talking about, we can only scratch the surface, Lord. But uh, just thank you, Lord, for all that you've revealed, Lord. And I pray for everyone who's been going through this study with us, Lord, that coming into Easter, they, we would all just have a new appreciation, Lord, uh, a new um, revelation and understanding of all that you've done for us. And that in that, Lord Jesus, it would translate into the way we live, Lord, and the way we view our own lives and circumstances, Lord, and the way we, we treat others. And um, in the way we, just the past to share the gospel, to share the good news um, with those around us who don't know you. Um, just considering again how great your love is, Lord, how amazing, uh, Lord, your incarnation, your crucifixion, your resurrection, all of that is, God. May that, again, just affect everything uh, in our lives, God. And we thank you, Lord, that this is a work you do, not by might or by power, but by your Holy Spirit. We pray that uh, you would, um, you know, just as Cheryl was saying today, speak into us those things, Lord, that you want to work uh, out of us. And so we love you, Lord. We thank you again for this time and um, commit just everyone here to you as we head into celebrating your resurrection again. In Jesus' name, amen.